bated breath. B-A-T-E-D, by the way, not B-A-I-T-E-D. That I know I'm correct on. <laughs> yes, you are a master at that. Uh, shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Mmm, pie. A moment of silence for all of those who lost their lives in the great cafeteria riot of 2015. Oh boy. For those of us who might be too young to remember, why don't you refresh our memories? Well, I could, but it's just too traumatizing. Present company excluded, of course. Yes. So, yeah, I think the less said about it, the better. Well, aside from that trauma, how have you been there, Jimmy G, co-host of Pie Factory Podcast? I, of course, being Sean, the other co-host of Pie Factory Podcast. And, yes, I am Jimmy G, coming to you from the second floor of the Pie Factory Tower. Oh. In rural Illinois. Fun fact. You can see the Pie Factory Tower from at least 200 feet away. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 200 feet. You could see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You got to be standing on top of a hill and on your tippy toes, but yeah, you could see it from 200 tippy feet toes, away. Huh? Tippy toes, huh? Tippy toes. Indeed. Oh, God, you heard about that movie, Tiptoes? No. Nope. Starring, um, oh, gosh, what was the guy? He played uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy, um, Gary Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman as a little person. What you talking about, Will? Oh, wait, uh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. And um, uh, is it Matthew McConaughey in it? And it's like some sort of like melodrama sort okay, of thing. Okay, okay, okay. That's what he yeah. says, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. It's uh, supposedly one of the worst movies ever made, and oh. I really want to see it badly. Well, technically, <laughs> any movie is one of the worst movies ever made, really, when you think well, about it. Oh, I guess. I mean. Even Tremors is one of the worst movies ever made. Hey, bite your tongue. It's one of the it's one of the three trillion worst movies ever. It's one of the movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. Where was I going with that? Um Fish Fudge Iowa? Oh yeah. One of the movies ever made. Uh I love the uh the copy on the cover of the Mystery Science Theater movie. Every year Hollywood makes hundreds of movies. This is one of them. Wow. It's funny on multiple levels because A it's uh correct correct and b it's not correct because the movie was made in minnesota not hollywood hmm so yeah that was uh funny i I wonder how many movies are actually made not quite in hollywood but maybe neighboring glendale or somewhere else there's studios in burbank yeah that's true absolutely absolutely I'm, i'm going i'm going there you are in uh summer yeah i can't wait i i i went to hollywood a few years ago i had a great time i really did well the wife and i are going to iceland in a few months i myself am deeply jealous yeah it's amazing we could afford it but we're going uh as long as you know things don't happen with the pandemic well yeah we're still going but even though the dollar is pretty good over there it's still insanely expensive i was watching there's a YouTube travel channel I watch called Walter's World. The guy's out of Bloomington, Illinois. And uh, he has a whole video about Iceland. And he's like, one of the best ways to save money on food, and he doesn't recommend this for any other country in the world, is eat sandwiches from gas stations. Hmm. I thought that great. Interesting. Iceland is known for their hot dogs. Really? Supposedly. Yeah, it's about, there's a huge hot dog culture in uh, Iceland. It's a special uh, sausage they make there, which if I'm not mistaken, is actually made out of lamb. Hmm. And it's served with like uh, 
grilled onions. Yeah. And uh, like a mustard relish remoulade sauce. Remoulade in Iceland. That, that ought to mm-hmm. be interesting. And uh, supposedly they're very, very good. And uh, so huh. we're going to, I'm going to try some of those. And uh, I'm not a fan of seafood, but when you're in an island country, you got to try it. So I'm going to try some of the Icelandic fish and chips. Some unsolicited advice. Yeah. Force yourself to try a tiny bit before you go overseas, just to get your stomach used to it. A tiny bit of fish and chips? Or or something, some kind of seafood, because if your body hasn't processed it in a long time, it could yep. rebel at, at a very inopportune time. I'll go to Long John Silver's. It's seafood, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. And they're, the, they're about one of the few uh, places where I can actually uh, stand fish. Although I had a bit of my dad's fish sandwich at uh, Red Robin a while back, and huh. it wasn't too bad. But Well, to be fair, that's probably not actually seafood, but freshwater food. Oh, so you're going to be pedantic already, huh? No, just correct. No, you're a pedant. I like being correct. You're a, ped- hey, you're a I pedant. I worked for a fish magazine for a couple of years. I, I ooh, Garden Pond Quarterly. Well, that was uh, one. Of, that was the book I wrote. But oh, fun fact, I learned while working at that job, there is a difference between the word fish as plural and fishes. Okay. If you're referring to plural fish. It means you're referring to multiple instances of the same species. If you're talking oh. about a bunch of them that are that have more than one species involved, it's fishes. So there's many fishes in the sea. Yeah. There's also many fish in the sea. Yeah. So both are correct, but different. Well, actually, what I just said was incorrect. It should be there are many fish in the sea because, you know, plural, not there is many fish. That's just grammatically incorrect, but I'm very worn out today, so I'm not going to be necessarily grammatically perfect, unfortunately. And that was this week's episode of Tangents on Parade. Tangents on Parade. Oh, you mean kind of like how I went, uh, the wife and I went to visit my mother today because yesterday was her birthday. Oh, happy birthday. And uh, we get to her house after lunch and she digs out, Two different ty- well, actually three different types of cake, a couple of things of ice cream, and here she oh, is geez. like throwing all this stuff at me. Here, try this cake. Here, try this cake too. Hey, I got black cow ice cream. Have that too. I didn't buy this for nothing. Eat, 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 eat. Black cow ice cream? Yeah, it's it's. Basic- I, I know what a black cow is. It's like a root beer float except with uh, cola. Yeah, but black cow ice cream is vanilla chocolate swirl with fudge in it. Huh. It's not, it's not root beery or anything like that. Yeah, I would be disappointed. But yeah, here she is trying to cram this stuff down our throats, my brother, my wife, and me. And five minutes later, we're about to leave, and uh, my mom says, hey, before you go, I want you to take this chocolate chip banana bread. I made it, and it's really good. Take it. Oh, God. And as I'm walking out the door, she says, you take care of yourself, and you do something about your weight. I worry about you. <laughs> it's like, mother. F-. I said, mom, listen to me. I'm going to die from the stress of you nagging me about my weight long before my weight is ever going to harm me. <laughs> Let alone the stuff she's sending home with you to I eat. know! Good yeah, night. It's like that whenever you visit, whenever I visit with a, with a relative, oh, take some food, take some food. There's like, a lot Mom, of food I love you, but you're killing me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. One thing we're going to do in Iceland, I totally forgot about this, Ooh. is um, we're going to visit the, uh, the Peace Tower. Uh, oh, right, which was right. the Imagine Peace Tower, which is on, uh, I believe it's Vide Island in the Reykjavik Harbor. 
and it was uh, erected by Yoko Ono. Who and, celebrated uh, her 89th birthday the day mm-hmm. before we're recording this. And she built this in memory of her husband and uh, dedicated to world peace. And it says, imagine peace all over the outside of this. It's, it's really, it looks like a well. It's not really that tall. However, between, uh, I can't remember the dates in uh, like November and December, between John Lennon's birthday and the day he was shot, yeah. they light it up and it's like a huge tower of light for uh, those weeks. Hmm. And uh, you can see it from all over the area there. It's, uh, I think that's going to be kind of neat. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. That sounds really cool. My wife yeah. and I are just hoping we can get overseas someday. Like we're trying to save up to go to England. So that, and this is what kills me. Like I'm listening to, uh, oh, who are those knuckleheads overseas? Um, you know, they talk Jerry? like this all the time. Um, Victor and Sean. Yeah. Blimey Victor and Sean. And they say, blimey. You know, here they are talking about, hey, you want to go to America next week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Like, <laughs> we can't afford to do that over here. What is it with? Why is it cheap for people in Europe to fly over here? But for us, we have to like save money for like dozens of gobs of years. Well, to be fair, uh, we're doing it all on credit cards. Well, still, the fact that you have that kind of credit that you can do that on. <laughs> Which, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting used to it because there's still no. medical bills. Yeah, but, you, yeah, that's not something to get used to. But uh, no. but actually, some of it I saved. I'm actually making more money than I did at my previous job, and so we're yeah. able to squirrel some away and going to have most of it paid off before we even leave for our trip. So nice. So we're looking forward to that. And by the way, I apologize to our listeners in advance. Um, I have a really delicious glass of. Uh, black iced tea with me and I, I'm drinking that from time to time because I like to drink. So uh, you're going to hear some ice go clink from black then, iced so. tea. Yeah, I, love I almost tea. had iced tea, but I'm almost wondering if I'm uh, allergic to tea. Really? Because of my coughing. Uh, huh. Caffeine, I guess, uh, dries out your throat. And I'm wondering if that's part of why I cough as bad as I do in the winter. They do make decaf tea. So that might be something. true. I have true. I have. And I've tried have it. I couldn't tell any difference in terms but of flavor. Tonight so. I am drinking a Kirkland Signature Purified Water, Ooh. a Costco brand, a water legend since eighteen sixty-seven. Oh no. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of which, dude, what I this is interesting. Something interesting happened to uh, Jimmy G and I recently. We actually were approached by a potential corporate oh. sponsor. I am dead serious. We're not joking about this. No, we're not. And that's like, holy cow, that's really something. But here's the thing. I, I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think we're going to do it. No, I, it doesn't fit our... Uh, it's, it's it's just not a good fit for what we do. Besides, yeah. I have to disagree with Dr. Evil when he says a, uh, a ritualistically shaved scrotum is quite breathtaking. I don't know about that. So... Hmm. So yeah, we're not going to do the uh, sponsor. I think our, our whoever's listening probably gets gets who uh, reached out to us. We didn't reach out to them; they reached no, out. No, yeah, us, we got we got shocking. emailed, and uh, yeah. I looked into which, it. This was legit, and it's from a company that we've actually heard of. And in fact, I've seen advertised on TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they advertise I mean, on CU podcast, and we're talking it over. And I'm like, I don't know if I. You know, this sounds really cool, but I don't know if I necessarily want to do this because it'll make us less grassrootsy. Uh, it could detract from the support we get from our Patreon sponsors. And something that people don't really realize is that 
if you are a Patreon sponsor, it kind of gives you this feeling that you are part of the podcast. And in, mm-hmm. and in quite a lot of ways, you actually are. To be fair, there are a lot of podcasts out there that do have a Patreon that uh, also have advertisements. Uh, again, CU Podcast being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, so it I can know. work, but this... <sighs> I don't know. It's just not our modus operandi. If the if the if if the topic was a little bit different, I could see it. Yeah, but I I just don't think it fits. Yeah, I don't think it would be necessarily the best fit for us, and I don't think we'd be the best fit for them. But it was no. it was really that was pr- still some pretty exciting things right there. Like we, we mm-hmm. it's I don't think we have anything set up that automatically scouts advertising for us. No, I don't think so. so. And you know what? Uh, they may have found out about us from. Uh, Oh gosh, what was that? Uh, was it Blueberry? Was that Blueberry? Oh that, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that we they, have our stats tied to. Yeah, yeah. They may have Could found be. out about us from that. I don't know. Could be, but yeah, but or Podbean. I think I signed us up for Podbean. But as I sit here drinking this delicious GT's kombucha while wearing kombucha. my very kombucha. comfortable me undies, I just think it would be kind of cheap if suddenly in the middle of conversation we just suddenly drop in these product placements. So. <sighs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, like, hello, fresh, you know? So, yeah. But anyway, uh, Jimmy G, what else have you been up to? Well, I haven't been playing a whole lot of games. Uh, we didn't, neither neither did of them. Uh, what was it? We went to Galloping Ghost. That was about a month or so. That was before It was we before our last. previous episode, yeah. yeah. So I've been, um, been putzing around with the, uh, the Collector Vision some more. Oh, the and Collector Vision Experience Club 2022 just opened up the day before we recorded this. Yeah. So the Collector Vision Phoenix has been uh, been in heavy rotation. In fact, before we recorded tonight, I was uh, playing a little bit of Spy Hunter on it, and um, nice. that's a pretty good version. It's uh, easier than the arcade version. The reason I was playing Spy Hunter is because I was actually listening to our Vanguard slash Spy Hunter episode, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I've uh, how far I've gone through the uh, ColecoVision version of uh, I should start saying ColecoVision port of Spy Hunter, and um, that Spy Hunter does have the river uh, phase that uh, is in all the other versions. So I wasn't sure if they did or not, because sometimes uh, ColecoVision, while has like pretty much almost arcade quality graphics on the system, Coleco was known for leaving levels out of their games or changing yeah. some of them around. Like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong generally has three screens or screens missing from uh, Cosmic Avenger. Let me think. There's a few more I can't think of off the top of my head. There's a very significant screen missing from Donkey Kong. <clears throat> yes, a very significant screen. So, yeah, I've been playing around with that. I uh, I think pretty soon here I'm going to swap a couple of my consoles out and hook my uh, 8-bit computer hmm. up. Right now I've got uh, my 7800, my Intellivision, my Genesis, and my Collector Vision wow. Phoenix all hooked up to one TV. Oh. So. I just wish my TV worked better with the with the Phoenix. I just wish I had more time on my hands so I could do all that. Yep. I just love that this TV has all these different ports on it, and I don't oh, have man, to. Oh, that's got to be pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah when the, uh, the Collector Vision Experience Club opened up, now this is the first time I ever shelled out money for this, and my jaw dropped at all the games I had access to. I was like, holy cow, it was def- it was a lot of money, but man, was it so worth it just for the vast quantity, because you get access to uh, all the other years as well. Mm-hmm. My brain is fried from earlier today, but it's not fried enough to remember something I meant to bring up in the past two episodes, but I didn't. 
Oh. And it, it's at this point that I'm going to ask our uh, post-production expert, Hyde St. Pierre, to drop the love theme from Adenda and Errata right here. Now, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that in at least one previous episode, I referred to a game designed by Toru Iwatani at Namco called mm-hmm. GB and its sequel Bomb B. Uh-huh. I think I mispronounced it, and I'll tell oh. you why. At Midwest Gaming Classic this year, back in well not this year, but uh back in November, I sat in on Tim Lapatino's talk about the 40th anniversary of Pac-Man, and he mentioned a game called GB done by Toru Iwatani. So it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, that makes that makes sense. There might not be soft G's in Japanese. So yeah, that first game, which was kind of a combination pinball slash breakout game, was actually pronounced gee, B, hard G, not soft G. Gee. Hmm. So it's uh, basically about uh, the game's about clarified butter. Yeah. Gee. Oh, oh yeah. cool. So do you have any um? Arata addenders thingies rearrangers. I thought I did because I like again. I was listening to old episodes. I do that every now and then, and every now and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that happened. They got that wrong." And then I'm like, "Then I forget because I'm usually driving home from work and no way to stop and uh, and uh, write it down, especially the last couple of nights with all the snow." Oh, you can't uh, have like, "Hey Google, take some notes for you." Well, the funny thing is with that. And that thought had occurred to me. My car stereo doesn't have Bluetooth, so I have to connect it to my phone with a cable. And when I do that, for some reason, it cuts the microphone off on my phone. Hmm. So whenever my wife calls me or, you know, somebody who's concerned about my car extended warranty. By the way, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being concerned about my car's warranty. It's very really kind. Yes, it's very kind. So uh, whenever I get a call, I, it, I have to unplug it because then otherwise nobody will hear me. Hmm. So... Now, you know what I used to love doing is if I'm driving or riding my bike or something and I have to send a text to my wife, I would have Siri do it. And uh-huh. of course, what Siri types versus what I actually say, there would sometimes be some pretty interesting results. <laughs> and the resulting response that I get back was, what the f- are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I, I never confirmed this, but I think now that that's why my wife sticks to messenger yeah she insists that i use messenger to text her because i think it's because i can't get siri to dictate for me i actually have to type (laughs) being serious here since you brought up messenger yeah whenever somebody needs to get an emergency message to me like my daughter needs to be picked up from somewhere or my wife wants me to pick up eggs or butter or something at the store on the way home from work i tell them don't text me because text messages rarely get through on Hmm. time but I always get my stuff through Facebook Messenger lickety split. I mean, say what you will about Facebook. Messenger works actually really well. Usually, and, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I got to give them props on that. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it is it still Facebook Messenger or is it Meta Messenger these days? I can't remember. It's a product that works off of Facebook. So they still okay. call it Facebook Messenger. It's still so. technically part of Facebook. Oh, and I'm not banned from Messenger. I've still got like five days left on my Facebook ban, my first 30-day ban of the year. So about five days and 10 minutes until your next one, then. Yeah, 
I'm going to try to hold out for like 12 minutes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to be like, uh, <laughs> my Facebook ban is over. My first, <laughs> my first message is going to be, what up you f-ing bitches? <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never, I have yet to be banned from Facebook. I got a couple of threatening messages before. Oh, Sometimes just an auto-generated one from something that was like, apparently everybody was getting, but that's about it. Speaking of Facebook bans, I had mentioned in the past where I got, I don't remember if it was a ban, but I know it got removed. It was a a meme that featured um, Jeffrey Dahmer eating a burger and the caption was, I don't believe there's five guys in this. (laughs) One of my face, and I don't remember I got banned for it, but I know it got removed because Facebook has a... Don't post things about with dangerous people's uh, policy or guideline or whatever you want to call it. One of my Facebook friends just the other day literally got a 30-day ban for posting a meme that was a joke with Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, it. man. That's petty. That's yeah. petty as hell. So, all right. So, I think we've covered all the bases with... Uh, with Facebook, you can't talk about anything good about Facebook without bringing up at least nine things that are bad about well, it. Well, so. that's kind of true, yeah. Yeah. But so, why, don't, um, why don't we go back to something good in that uh, we got a couple of uh, uh, items of feedback. So, hi, oh? could you drop the feedback thing here, please? F-E-E-D-B-A-C. Feedback. 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 keep forgetting that we have a feedback theme. Yeah, thank you, uh, Monsieur Saint-Pierre, as it were. Uh, yeah, it's actually on Atari Age. We heard from uh, Kairu Yojimbo, who says, Funny that Jim mentioned the wonky joystick on the sit-down ah. Sinistar Galloping Ghost. My girlfriend and I took a trip to Chicago last summer and went to Galloping Ghost in Brookfield. After we got there, we split up and did our own thing for a little while, and after we met back up, she told me she'd found a really cool game. She couldn't remember the name of it, but she said it was really hard, but also really fun. Oh, my God. (sighs) How are you not responding to that right now? Because I'm actually looking for the thread. (laughs) Then she led me back to the sit-down Sinistar. I hadn't made it to that part of the arcade yet, and I was pretty excited since Sinistar is one of my favorite games, and I'd never seen the cockpit version in person before. I sat down and started playing, and almost immediately I looked at her and said, something's wrong with this joystick. I mean, yeah, Sinister's a hard game, but it's not supposed to be that hard. Well. I thought it was pretty cool that not knowing any difference, she still liked the game. Uh, she just thought she wasn't any good at it. Uh, guess what, uh, Kairu Yojimbo? We all think we're not any good at it. <laughs> yeah. And by the way. Um, <clears throat> Thanks for sharing that with us, uh, Kai. Oh, I just uh, just read, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, that... And that's uh, after joystick problems, too. Yes. Uh, that uh, they announced the name of the new Beavis and Butthead movie that's going to be oh, screening yeah. on Paramount+. Plus. Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Yeah, translation, I will not be able to see it, because I'm not getting a subscription to Paramount+. Plus. And apparently the, the plot is Beavis and Butthead are their older, their older selves in the future, and they go back in time to meet their younger self. This almost goes back to what you were talking about in our Beavis and Butthead episode. Oh? When you said that Mike Judge said that in his mind, Beavis and Butthead can only be either 15 or 60. Or or 60, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, hey, as long as they get David Letterman back to voice uh, 
to do a voice, uh, <laughs> I- I'll be happy. Yeah, get old Earl Holford back. What do you bastards got a match? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was him the first time I saw that movie. <laughs> and here's someone we haven't heard from in a while, Chris Plus Plus Plus. Plus, 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 oh, three pluses. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. See, I don't know if I like that because Chris Plus Plus looks like a programming incremental thing. I don't think there's any programming language in which three pluses in a row mean anything. I really would have preferred he used, if he couldn't use Chris Plus Plus, that he used Chris Plus equals one. But I, what, what do I know? I'm just a, a video game fan, right? But uh, Chris Triple Plus says... Triple Plus. You guys actually make bad dudes sound interesting and amusing. I never thought that was possible. The magic of the mighty pie factory. Now, why I said that with an exaggerated Chicago accent, I have no idea. But, hey. He's a New Yorker living in New Mexico. <laughs> New York. So, I guess maybe if you combine the two, you get somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Hey, we're probably about equidistant between New Mexico and New York, so. Did you notice that on his uh, classic gaming uh Bookcast that uh, he has a uh, has you and me listed in the thanks, right? I did not notice that. Oh my yep. god, that's really that's really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Sean and Vic Strutters. Uh, oh, thanks, Chris uh, Ferg, and a whole bunch of other people. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And I was uh, going on here because just to see something, but. I'm not seeing what I thought. Oh, I had seen speaking of books, um, I should uh, briefly talk about a new acquisition and bookage that I have from uh, a recommendation from uh, our Patreon sponsor Daniel Chavez. I oh. ordered the. Oh, I suddenly forgot the title of it. Uh, the book's in the other room. It's uh, Warren Davis's book. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a computer that. right in front of me. I can look it up. Uh, let's see, Warren Davis. Uh, Creating Cubert and other classic video arcade games. Now, it's interesting that he and Jeff Lee both wrote books about their experience working in video games, and they both mentioned Cubert in the title. Yeah. But um, I haven't had a chance to do a really deep dive into the book yet, but I, I flipped through it, uh, read a few pages here and there, and it is a fun, at least from what I can tell, it is so much fun to read. Some great stories. In fact, a lot of the stories are very similar to what Jeff talked about in his book. So it's cool to see that they both have pretty much similar minds. And um, one of the reasons that I ordered it when I did was that I was hoping to get it in time for this episode because I was hoping there would be a little bit of background about one of the games we're going to talk about today. Except there isn't. And it just occurred to me why. It's because he left the company before that game was made. So he Ah. wouldn't have had any input whatsoever. But uh, we'll put a link to that book in the show notes, Creating Cubert and Other Classic Video Arcade Games, uh, written by Warren Davis. I've got to get some more uh, classic gaming books uh, in my collection. I have barely any. I'm actually interested in uh, Philip Ahn's book, Mortal Doctor. And, uh, of course, Mar- Mor- or Dr. Philip Ahn portrayed, I believe, it was Shang Tsung in uh, Mortal Kombat 2, I think it was. And the book's about, from what I understand about, uh, well, it, it's basically his autobiography and talks about right. how he's a doctor and his involvement with Mortal Kombat. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, he's a, that that guy, he, do, he does a lot of good for a lot of people, I'm telling you, because he does uh, like mission trips down to, uh, oh, wow. down to like South and Central America and provides nice. uh, medical assistance down there and stuff. 
Yeah, I've heard and, from uh, multiple people that he's a really nice guy. My uh, meeting with him is only very, very brief, but uh, I'd like to know more about him. <laughs> I just, I just remember that how you you told him that you know he's yeah. like, yeah, I really don't, I don't, I really don't like Mortal Kombat, and he's, you remember what he said in response to that? So, like, he's not a huge video game fan. He said, "Well, I don't like video games at all, so I really don't care." <laughs> it was something like that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was still kind of cool. He, yeah, I think he only popped into the Calping Ghost just to use the washroom. He was in yeah, there seriously, seriously. But yeah, um, I think we've run into him at Midwest Gaming Classic, but we didn't haven't really sat down. He would Ooh, be. A- I got my ticket and my book and my room books for this year. So I'm yeah, I'm probably not going to be going to this one either because oh, you're no fun. Yeah, because of my work schedule for one, that, that's the thing that sucks about second shift is you, if you've got to go somewhere overnight, you can't leave at a reasonable hour. Uh, you have to take the time off and that depletes your time more. Oh, I can imagine. And then imagine, on top of yeah. that, I kind of need to save my days and my money for uh, Iceland. Yeah. So. That's a higher priority if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Dude. If you don't ask me though, I don't know. <laughs> if I had more money, there's a... Uh, a company out of uh, Reykjavik that do uh, tours of this one volcano. Oh, dude! It's like the tour is like three hundred and sixty dollars, uh, and they actually take you into the magma chamber of an extinct volcano. Wow! I would love to do that, but I can't justify the money. You know what? I'm so l- looking forward to this trip. It's like every day I'm watching videos about Iceland and things mm. to do and stuff like that, and it's I'm becoming more and more hyped about it. And it's still like four months away. Actually, less than four months, three and a half. I just still haven't signed up for Bike MS yet either. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy G. Um, it is Friday morning, nine thirty-two a.m., February twenty-fifth. I'm very tired. Just woke up, and uh, just wanted people to know that uh, I, since we recorded, I signed up for Bike MS, and uh, we'll have the linky in the uh, show notes in case you want to donate. No, oh, I gotta motivate myself to wake up. Oh, that reminds me. I should, see, I should see if Bike the Drive is open yet, which you probably won't be able to go to because you'll probably be in Iceland at the time. Uh, if it's in June, first week of June. Oh, okay. Oh, it's September 4th. They're doing it on Labor Day weekend again. Oh, okay. I might. I want to do that. I might try doing that this year. It I is gotta, so much fun. I got to get more hours on my bike this year than I did last year. Oh, me too. Big time. But with, again, with my shift work, it's really hard to do because you get home you sleep you wake up at nine or ten o'clock in the morning and by before you know it you blink and you're back at work so i don't know but at any rate uh, any rate yeah man this has really been uh like tangents uh <laughs> we've been tangents half an hour we're, we're half an hour in and we didn't even hint to, well hey we did we did a little bit of stuff so yeah i guess we're we're okay we're okay come so on let's man. talk about some games now what do you let's, think what do you let's say? do that what do yeah you I totally agree. So, let's uh, let me get a drink to quench my cough, as it were. Oh, indeed. You know, there's not a. I believe there's not a man, woman, or child out there that doesn't enjoy a lovely beverage. Oh, of course. So, you know what? Just to get it out of the way, let's uh, talk about Splat. Ah, Splat. Oh, uh, yike! Eh? I misspelled one of the games in my in my episode notes here. There oh, we go. No. There, missing so, an e. Splat is a Two-player simultaneous game from Williams in ni- from 1982, the year. Each person has two eight-way joysticks. One moves, one fires. It was available in a full stand-up and a cocktail 
Uh, it did like uh, the joust cocktail where you were kind of like sitting next to each other on a slight angle. Interesting. So, I uh, copied the uh, instructions for the game right from the attract mode. Would you like to hear? Oh, yes, let's uh, hear it. I copied this because it's poetic. Maybe we should do a dramatic reading. We haven't done like anything classy or artsy on this show in a while. That is very true, yeah. So, this poem is entitled, The Rules of Splat. <clears throat> you are one of Splat's elite. You fight to win, avoid defeat. Go grab some food that falls in rows, then throw it quick and splat your foes. If hit by food, your head will roll. You're helpless then, until you're whole. On entering, the door you choose will flash bright red and glow. You change it with the stick mark move and come out using throw. Go splatter nerds for higher scores. Pick up food flying from the doors. Pass through the doors by catching keys and reach the other side with ease. Your enemies are nasty. They will chase and bother you. Beware of speedy hitmen, peels, and popcorn stalkers too. The garbage creatures hop and jump. Don't let them get too near. One hit will slow them down a bit. Two hits, you're in the clear. Your fellow player at your side can aid you or betray. It's rough when you're not friendly, but you get more points that way. Thank you. Really thank, you, you thank you, thank you, thank you. So, uh, wow, that's basically how you play Splat. Hmm. The playfield looks like a room. There's four doors. Uh, with like a conveyor belt with like a face in the middle. And on each side of the conveyor, food falls down in a straight line. Uh, food or a key. Uh, you have uh -huh. to have a key to enter the doors on the side. There are two doors. They kind of wrap around. Kind of nothing. They do wrap around, but you have to have a key to go into them. Go in one door, you come out the one directly opposite it. Each level is timed. It's not like Food Fight where you have an actual object you have to do to end the round. This timer get you to a new round, however long it takes. And then there's like no intermission. I mean, it'll say different things and give you the name of the room. Uh, I got the names for the first 10 rooms. The first room is called Food Fight. Uh-huh. Number two is called the Pie Pummel. That sounds dirty. Uh, number three is the Banana Brawl. Four is the Creature Feature. Five is Nerd Hunt. Six is called Intermission. That one is where the uh, the popcorn monster comes out. Seven, again, is called Food Fight. Eight, again, is called Pie Pummel. Number nine is called Fish Fiasco. Oh. Ten, again, is called Creature Feature. I noticed that further on in the game, there's other... The rounds have different names. Uh, I noticed one called, like, I think it was Tomato Trouble, but uh, that was, like, round, like, 30-something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, when you start... When you put your coin in, you start the game, you have a choice of three characters. Uh, one of them is called Mark the Slob, Harry the Hood, and Tanya Tootsie. You uh, just select which one you want to do with which one you do which one you want to play with the uh, the move joystick. Uh, I guess it just times out because I tried moving the uh, the fire joystick to select it, but you know it didn't. So uh, hmm. and then you go into the game and there's like one enemy in the game automatically, and that's a, a representation of the second player, and uh, it takes two hits to kill your person. The first one uh, will just knock your head off. If you still don't have a head, the second hit will kill you. And I noticed this, and I tried to recreate it, but I had a hard tr uh, time doing it. If you and the other player both have your heads knocked off, if you pick up the wrong head, you become the other player. Really? 
I saw that happen at least once. I tried to recreate it, but I just couldn't get the circumstances right. Huh. So I thought that interesting. And it's really kind of just the same thing over and over and over. Uh, the game is really pretty repetitive. After you uh, lose a character, you start in one of the four doors. One will start will be blinking, and uh, you use your move joystick to select which one you want to come out of, and then you use your fire joystick to, uh, well, to come out of the, the door. Oh, sure. It has the same sound effect as in Joust, when your character regenerates and you come out of the floor. There's a lot of Joust vibe in this game. Well, Hyde might as well play it now. There's also a lot of... Uh-oh. Robotron vibe huh? in this game. This week in Robotron. Uh, one thing I did notice, that the game over music is the same, exact same game over music that was in Sinistar. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this game, let's face it, is a little bit more... It's like if, well, Food Fight came out later. Food Fight came out in 83, this game came out in 82. So you can't say this was a rip-off of Food Fight. Food right. Fight, was, if anything, was a rip-off of this. I tried finding out how many of these cabinets were actually made, but I couldn't find anywhere how it was, or how many were. So anyway, yeah, you have a time limit, just moves you to the next screen, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say right now, the first place I ever played this game was actually on one of those, I think it was Arcade's Greatest Hits, Williams. Uh, really? This doesn't seem like the kind of game that would be released on one of those collections, you know? It was, it's it's filler. Huh. It's a filler game. First place I ever saw this was at, at uh, Galloping Ghost, but I've never played it there because I don't like the game. <laughs> 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 but I played it some more in the, in the meantime since we started doing this, uh, since we decided we were going to do this game. And, uh, yeah, it hasn't really done much for me. Food Fight does the same concept a lot better, I think. Hmm. It's easy to distinguish between levels. There's a lot more going on. I'm sorry, I think the whole losing your head thing is stupid. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, <laughs> oh, one thing I did read is that this was the, the people that created this game uh, based it off of the movie Animal House, which I believe the people that did Food Fight did the same thing. Oh, really? I, I believe so. Huh. I know they did with this one. It's some of the history I've read about it. I don't know. This, is, this game just feels generic to me, I guess. Really? Gener generic and unfinished. Maybe unfinished is a better word for it. Okay, that I can kind of understand. Because there's just... It's too similar to Robotron in many ways. I don't like how they don't clearly differentiate between the levels. I mean... The other player is always on the screen, even during the transition to the next level, which there is no transition. It just says something like, hey, Jack, you're on level four or whatever. Or, hey, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and um, see what I did there. I see what you did there. Okay. Sending you back to boot camp. Um, Grief. The sound effects are good, but I mean, they're most of them are ripped off from other Williams games. I mean, there's some of them that aren't. And yes, I know there's a lot of similarities, but each game Williams does, at the very minimum, have some really new and unique sound effects, and I just didn't get that with this one. Now, is it kind of like other Williams games in which, really, there's only one sound ever happening at a time? You know what? I didn't notice that. Hmm. Hmm. I did not pay attention to that. I'll have to look into that more. Uh, the graphics are sparse for what they are, but they're not as colorful as uh as uh, say a robotron or uh or even a joust heck 
If oh, you know what? I think I got a better. Um, I said it had a Robotron vibe. To me, it also has a Bubbles vibe. Oh, I can kind of dig that. Yeah. Um, I can't quite place my finger on it, but I think it has a lot to do with like the sound effects and the graphics, hmm. especially the graphics, because your player kind of reminds me of that little woman, cleaner woman in Bubbles <laughs> that, that walks around the screen with a little brush. I loved that. That was one of the, my one. That was, the, I got to have to play Bubbles somewhere. I liked that game. Oh, by the way, Bob D. Crescenzo, if you're listening, Bubbles would make a great game on the 7800. Just saying. Just throwing that, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I, uh, I rediscovered that at Underground Retrocade recently. That's a fun game. It is so fun. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it, but I do, and that's all that matters. But um, I don't know. That's pretty much all I've got to say about Wait, I had something else here. Did you know? There were no home ports of this game other than the, uh, hmm. at least for the classic games. Uh, I don't think this game was very widely put out. Um, I don't think so. I mean, there is a home game called Splat, but it's not the same thing. Right. I saw that. It's like uh, for the ZX Spectrum or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. According to the uh, killer list of video games at Arcade-Museum, this game ranks a six on a scale out of 100. Uh, where 100 most often seen or one least common in popularity based on ownership records. Williams apparently bet the, according to the trivia section of an arcade museum, Williams apparently bet the farm on this game and lost big. Hmm. Certainly not as entertaining as the other early Williams architecture games, but it's cute and good for a laugh. Uh, disagree. I want to think there was a trick on this. Arcade-history.com actually has the uh, machine's manual online, if you log in. Let's see, trivia. No, I guess maybe there isn't. There's not really a whole lot out on this game as far as uh, documentation, but uh, at least they have the manual. Oh, one thing I did notice, too, is um, if you, uh, not time it, but if you uh, maneuver your character correctly, if the other player throws a piece of food at you, you can actually catch it. Yeah, and throw yeah, it back. that's right. I did notice that. There's one character after a while, it's the garbage creature. He takes two hits to destroy. I hate. Yeah. When I played this without cheats on, I would always die in that level. Oh, okay, the levels change every 30 seconds. Or as it says in the manual, the kitchen scenes. So. Okay. Uh, extra life every 20,000 points. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember. I forgot. Uh, scoring. This one actually I got some scoring on here. Oh, nice. If you hit somebody with tomatoes and eggs, it's worth 250 points. If you hit somebody with fish or keys, you can throw the keys, too. They're not just for going through the doors. It's 400 points. Hit somebody with a banana, uh, 500 points. Hit somebody with pies or popcorn, it's 750. Smack a nerd for 500 points. <laughs> Hammer the hitman for 1,000 points. Hit the corn stalker, ha ha ha, yeah, for 1,500. And explode the garbage creature for 1,500. Splat the other player, 20,000 points. Wow. If you're playing a two-player game. I did notice there's an enemy, the uh, the banana peel, and if you touch that, you actually slide across the screen, which hmm. uh, I find interesting. But you, I believe you can uh, kill that one. I thought I did that. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I don't care. So Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That is, that's pretty much everything you need to know about this game. Indeed. I don't like these games that have a timer that just, you know, get through the level without... <laughs> well, let me, let me rephrase it. I think if a game's going to have a timer... There should also be a way to complete the level before the timer ends so that you can get some bonus points. 
Uh, that's one another thing I'm not a fan of with this game. One thing I did kind of like about this game, which actually something I liked about this, is uh, when, it, like I said, the food falls off the conveyor belt in a straight line. And when it falls off and hits the bottom of the screen, it creates a little pile of uh, yeah. pile of food. I thought that was kind of funny. But I just wish maybe you could go up to that pile and pick stuff up and throw it, but you can't. But I still thought that was a little funny, but yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much all I have to say about this game. What about you, Sean? Well, unlike you, I actually enjoy the game. Mind you, I suck at it, and I can only get to the, like, the second or third screen at all if I'm lucky. But overall, I think it's a really creative game. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make sense that uh, you could be decapitated and uh, still be walking around and throwing things and everything until, of course, you put your head back on your torso. The thing is, I like absurdity. Uh-huh. I like weirdly absurd things, which is one reason I love ninja golf. <laughs> I, I don't like ninja stuff. I don't like golf, but put the two together and man, it's just so freaking absurd. But, <laughs> but I really do. We could go on about ninja golf. I'm actually middling on that game. I think they have a good concept, <laughs> but I think they could do more with it. But with uh, Splat, though, it is a unique concept. And I'll tell you one thing they did right that Food Fight could have used. Huh. Double joysticks. Yes, I will give them that. I think Food Fight would have definitely been better with two joysticks. But it, it, I found it to be quite compelling and fun. And you know who else probably found it to be fun? Who? Not a lot of people because there are no scores registered in the Twin Galaxies track hmm. of Splats. However, they do track MAME. And for the MAME track on Twin Galaxies, Mike Smith played up to 151,900 and submitted it on August 18th, 2010. And they also have a track for two-player team on Splat via MAME. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce this person's name, but uh, I think it's Oscar F. Shashia and Ernan P. Vizia. They, as a team, scored 63,600, and they submitted that on February 17th, 2012. And now, Orcade.com, Justin Kvithil, or is it Kvithil, or Justin, I'm sorry. Uh, if, if you can give us the phonetic pronunciation of your name, just by all means, reach out to us. Uh, Please do. Uh, 4,100,000 points, August 13th, 2018. Holy cow. Good Lord. Um, I think I can get that hundred part, I think, <laughs> but really though, I actually, I actually really like this game and I'm going to tell you right now, my rating on our one through five inclusive scale of continues four continues just wow. because it's so wacky and lucky. the only thing is it is really difficult to play in MAME because man, I don't have a twin stick set up for MAME. I, I, okay, I wonder you if know I could what? do that with my Ed Ladden controller. I'm going to have to uh, get you uh 8-bit though SN30 Pro Plus controller. Or I wonder if uh, using a PS4 controller with the two sticks could do that. Yeah, probably uh, could. As long because as it's I, Bluetooth and your computer has Bluetooth, you should be yeah, able to. Because I think I've used that with uh, Robotron. Have you used this uh, the, the this this 8-bit though that I uh, have here or not? Uh, which 8-bit though is it? The uh, SN30 Pro Plus. SN30 Pro Plus. Uh, let me see. Probably SN30 not. Pro Plus. Uh, it's gray. Have I? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I think you did because I brought I I believe I brought it to um, Midwest Gaming Classic last time we had a booth. Huh. 
because I was demonstrating on the 7800 and uh, on the Sega Master System oh, how you okay. can do it uh, do it wirelessly. Okay, all right. I'm gonna have to get you one of these. These this is one of the, as I've said before, this is the best controller I've ever used in my life, ever. I mean, I do have a Bluetooth Genesis controller, but I'll think of which I need to get a Genesis six button controller. Thought I ordered one, but apparently I didn't hit buy. Ah, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm ra- I'm ra- I'm willing to rate this game four out of five. Continues. What, well, how about, <laughs> how about you there, Jimmy G? <laughs> this is one of the biggest uh, discrepancies in our ratings in a long time. <laughs> I'm rating it a one. Wow. Okay, I thought you would rate it a two. I didn't know you were going to no, go that. No, I'm rating okay. this a one. Yeah, wow. I do not like this game. <laughs> a lot of all. people don't like it. I I think. Yeah. Again, game feels unfinished to me. Hmm, I can see that. Which, that's two uh, episodes in a row where games felt unfinished. This one in Zero Wing. Hmm, interesting. Well, yeah, there we go with that. What? Right, we go with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, really? shall we move on, I guess? Maybe oh, perhaps for a chance? I guess we done shall move on, so yes. uh, thank you for... So what game uh, are you going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about... Three Stooges. Or as my episode notes said a few minutes ago, Three Stoogs. And I suddenly lost my episode notes. Where the heck did they go? Heck, said the president. Oh, there they are. Uh, So, yeah. um, Three Stooges was uh, released May of 1984 by Milestar. Oh, God, I don't remember if it's Milestar or or Milestar. I could have listened to the episode, uh, I think episode 60, when we talked to Jeff Lee. But I did not. I did not re-listen. But Milestar, of course, is what used to be Gottlieb until Coca-Cola bought out their company and renamed the gaming division Milestar, which uh, many of their former employees were happy to point out that it's basically rat slime spelled backwards. Uh, but anyway, the gameplay of the Three Stooges was uh, done by Tom Malinowski and it was programmed by Sam Russo, after whom, you may remember, is the character in Qbert named Sam. Jeff Lee did the graphics, and Dave Zabriskie did the audio. And uh, fun fact for you, the audio has a lot of sound samples in it. There are three Stooges sound samples done by the great Don Messick. You know that name, Jimmy G? Sounds familiar. He did a lot of Hanna-Barbera voices. Oh, Okay. Like, I think he did Scooby-Doo. He did a lot of voices on the Flintstones. And basically, if you've seen a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you have heard his voice. So he did the voices of the Stooges. There were some sound effects that were recorded at Milestar, Gottlieb, Milstar, Rat Slime, whatever. (laughs) Uh, One amusing story that I heard was uh, to get the sound of, uh, I think, the hammer. There's a hammer in the game, and I think to get the sound of the hammer, a couple of Gottlieb employees recorded themselves banging something into a wall, uh, which uh, accidentally uh, put a hole in the wall, much to... uh, Gottlieb President Ron Waxman's dismay. Okay, you know what? I want to see a hack of this game where they replace one of the characters with uh, a certain MC, and uh, when you pick up the hammer, it says, it's oh, hammer time. stop it. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But basically, yeah, a lot of the sounds in there are actual digital recordings. They're very primitive digital recordings, but nonetheless, they're state-of-the-art for the time. The control panel contains three joysticks, one for... 
Larry, Moe, and Curly from left to right, respectively. And below each joystick is a button that is labeled slap slash throw. You know what would be awesome is if they made this a networked game and you could hook a second cabinet up to it. And the other machine would have uh, joysticks for uh, Shemp. Joe, Shemp, Joe, and Curly <laughs> Joe. That would be awesome. So you have all six Stooges? Yeah. Or and you or, have and another network, one. Yet and another you one have, and have like Amel. Uh, oh, what the heck's Amel's name? You have the, no, you do another machine and you have the actors from the Three Stooges movies from a movie from oh, a few geez. years ago. By the way, that movie was actually pretty good, with the exception of the Jersey Shore scene. I did not see that movie. It was surprisingly really good. The guy uh, who played uh, Curly, the actor's name is Michael Chiklis, who I believe was uh, the thing in uh, one of the Fantastic Four movies. He was a spot-on impersonation huh. for uh, Curly. It was it was really good. Oh, and Larry David uh, is in the movie, and he plays a nun. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. The first part of the movie takes place when they're kids in an orphanage. And the kids that portrayed them were so good that they were talking about giving them their own Three Stooges spinoff, but that never happened. <laughs> Interesting. See, it, it's really actually pretty good. It's actually a pretty good film. I'll try to give it a, a, a shot. I'll I'll see if I can watch it's, it sometime. It's uh, created by the people that did Dumb and Dumber, by the way. Ah, never saw it. But anywho, the thing about the Three Stooges game is you can play as any of the three main Stooges, Larry Moe or Curly, that you want. What you got to do when you put your coin in the coin slot, each of the buttons below the joysticks, dub, well, triples actually, it's not only slap and throw, but it's also a start button. Larry's start button is a one-player game, Moe's is a two-player game, Curly's is a three-player game. So if you, say, are playing a one-player game, first you hit Larry's slap slash throw button for a one-player game, and then you have to move the joystick corresponding to the character you wish to be. So if you want to be curly, you have to move the joystick that's all the way on the right. So that was an interesting little control scheme. You can play up to three players at the same time, and if you do play three players, then basically you use the joystick corresponding to the stooge you wish to control. And, uh, oh, by the way, speaking of stooge, fun fact for you. The stooge is actually the victim in a comedy routine, especially of vaudeville comedy routines. Such, like the, like, such as uh, Ted Healy and his stooges? Exactly. It's Ted oh. Healy, yep. The stooges were the victim of his jokes, basically. I just thought of another way we could do, you could do this game if you wanted a network cabinet. Yes? You have another network cabinet hooked up to it. And the characters you could play in it are Dwayne, Raj, and Oh, Rerun. no. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That, we, let's, let's talk about that a little bit later. Remind me. Okay. <laughs> for probably a very obvious reason to many people. But uh, the way this game was. Now, Jeff Lee, since the day he started at Gottlieb, wanted to do a Three Stooges game. Because, well, Gottlieb was owned by Columbia Pictures, which produced the Three Stooges shorts. Now, for those of you who heard episode 60 already, you might remember that the folks at Gottlieb thought, hey, yeah, let's do that. We could easily get the rights to it because it's Columbia Pictures. Turns out Columbia Pictures did not have the rights to the Three Stooges. Oh? Mo Howard's son-in-law. Oh, yes. Um, Norman Maurer, Norman, who was a... Wait, uh, Norman Maurer was a son-in-law? Yep. Yeah, Norman Maurer married Joan Horowitz and got involved in uh, the Three Stooges. He was a uh, comic book designer. In fact, I think he invented the 3D comic book. I might be wrong about that, but what do I know? I'm just a schnook. Oh, sh wrong podcast. Sorry. <laughs> but 
they had to go to Moe's son-in-law to seek permission. Oh, by the way, uh, Norman Maurer uh, died in 1986. Yeah, right after this game happened. He was born in 26, so. Yeah. So Sam Russo, who headed up the Three Stooges project, reached out to Norman Maurer. Now, in order for Norman Maurer to give this guy the time of day, to give Sam the time of day, he gave Sam a Three Stooges quiz. Uh-huh. And um, turns out that Sam already brushed up on his Three Stooges knowledge and passed with flying colors. And so Norman's like, okay, I'm listening. So he pitched the idea and uh, basically got the ball rolling. I'm just looking up Norman Maurer's uh, biography here on Wikipedia. He was involved with a whole bunch of different movies and stuff, but I think this is interesting. He was a executive producer of the 39 live-action segments used to introduce the syndicated New Three Stooges cartoons from 1965 to 66. He later became associated with Hanna-Barbera, working as a writer on the new Scooby-Doo movies, Speed Buggy, the Scooby-Doo Dynamut Hour, and season one of the Richie Rich Show. In 77, he was working on the cartoon The All-New Super Friends Hour, hmm. and he's credited as being the creator of the characters The Wonder Twins, huh. which I just heard that just heard the other day that they're actually going to do a, a superhero movie based on them. He also created and was the executive producer of the 1978 series, The Three Robonic Stooges. <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. Hmm. Now, I got to look that up. Oh, no, I do know this show. Do you? Uh, Featured the characters of The Three Stooges in new roles as clumsy, crime-fighting cyborg superheroes. Let's see. It looks like it only lasted one season. And uh, voices Joe Baker, Larry, Ross Martin, Agent... Uh, da, 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 da. Frank Wel oh Frank Welker played no Curly? way yes oh that's awesome uh, everyone who knows anything about voices Frank Welker he's most famous for voicing Optimus Prime in Transformers both the cartoon and the live action movies and uh, Paul Winchell did Mo okay I gotta look this up I didn't know about I didn't know that about Frank Welker to be honest with you it was he he really? did, he, he did somebody's voice in Animaniacs that's how I know the name but. By the way, a uh, fun fact for you, anytime there were voices required for the Three Stooges, Norman Maurer had to specifically approve. Like, it, they, it was sense. basically up to him. And apparently, by the way, when they were working with Don Messick, uh, he flew out to Chicago. They went to a studio downtown to do the Three Stooges voices. The session took under an hour, and apparently Don Messick was a really, really nice guy. Okay, after looking at some of these screenshots from the Three Robonic Stooges, which it looks like there actually also was a comic book, but I remember this. Do you remember the, there was an episode, I think there was an episode of Scooby-Doo that the, the three I didn't watch Scooby-Doo. I was not a huge fan of it. The only reason I watched it is because my sister watched it. I was not a huge fan of it. But um, I believe there was an episode with the three stooges on it. And then in the, the Hanna-Bar, there was the Hanna-Barbera cartoon Jabberjaw, which uh, the shark in that cartoon was, uh, was based on Curly. He spoke in a similar voice, and he kind of looked like Curly in a way. So, hmm. <clears throat> continue. But uh, anyway, getting back to the game, The Three Stooges, the original idea for that, first of all, was that it was a one-player game in which you played all three of the Stooges one at a time. One Stooge per life. You'd start out as Larry, and when you lost your first life, you became Moe, and then when you lost your second life, you became Curly, until it was decided, wait a minute, we should make this a three-player game. I mean, duh. The original idea for the plot was basically that the Stooges would uh, collect hammers and pound away pieces of a building, basically destroy a building, 
and uh, with their hammers, they would pound things away. They'd pound some windows, pound some furniture, and reveal some bonus items. And that would eventually be held over and moved on into the final product. The final product being this. First of all, I believe on the game itself, on the marquee and in the manual, uh, the operator manual, it's simply called the Three Stooges. But on the actual screen during the attract mode, it is called the Three Stooges in Brides is Brides. So basically, you are playing a Three Stooges short, really. It's a non-existent Three Stooges short. I They had me fooled there. I thought that it was oh. probably based on an actual Three Stooges short. Because the name Brides is Brides, it's a weird-sounding title, but it is very typical. They of had a three several st- episodes where they were going to get married to, yeah. to people, I be- yeah. or uh, to people, yeah, to others, to women. <laughs> that, but, that was a not—I wouldn't say common, but that was, well, a, yeah. a, as you're saying, a typical plot. Yeah, a typical plot and a very typical title. Because some of those shorts had weird titles like that. Uh, like non-grammatical titles. So it's very believable, very good, very well done on on whoever uh, came up with that title. And the reason it's called Brides is Brides, now, depending on which source you wish to believe, there are three brides or fiancés, one for each stooge. There's Cora, Dora, and Nora. And they are kidnapped by a mad scientist named I am a cad. Oh, God. Again, another typical Three Stooges thing. We're talking about the same people who had the uh, legal firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. So, yeah, that's pretty typical. Oh, dude, by the way, did you ever watch Stoogapalooza? Uh, I, the movie? No, no. The uh, For a while. Oh, the, uh, oh, oh, the uh, um, with uh, Rich Coe's? Yeah, Rich Coe's, better known as Sven I think I've Gulli. seen a couple of episodes of it. To be fair, I've kind of been out of the Stooge business for a little bit now. I need to yeah, me too. watch more episodes because they're classic humor. But yeah, the thing about Stoogapalooza, it was uh, Rich Coe's would do these host segments. He tended to show more Shemp than Curly, which hmm. is fine. Shemp's fine. But... If you watch the closing credits of Stoogapalooza, it's regular credits like any other TV show, but it would say legal services provided by the firm of Dewey, oh, Cheatham, and Howe. Yes, I did. Yes, yes, I have seen that. Yes. Yeah, well played, Rich. Well played. <laughs> but the whole point is you and the other Stooges are trying to rescue the three girls. You're trying to rescue Nora, Dora, and Cora. And to do that, you're going through a series of rooms in which you have to collect three keys. Now, here's the thing. If you're playing a multiplayer game, you have to collect the key that corresponds to the color of the clothing that your character wears. Curly wears a green suit. Larry wears a white suit. Mo wears a blue suit. So if you're Mo, you have to collect a blue key. If you're Curly, you have to collect a green key. If you're playing just a one-player game, you have to collect all of them. And once you collect all three of the keys, an exit door suddenly appears. Uh, I think it appears randomly. Uh, It's not the same place uh, twice. And uh, you exit the door to move on to the next room. There are several enemies attacking you or trying to attack you. There are butlers. Uh, There's a cop. Uh, The cop typically stays outside of the room until some trouble happens, like a window breaks or something. Then the cop goes in to investigate. You basically have to avoid the cops. There are pies that uh, you can throw at people and that other people can throw at you. And you basically have to dodge flying stuff. You have to avoid everybody because anybody on the screen has the capability of injuring you and ergo basically essentially taking a life away from you. 
including the other stooges, which I, I don't really like because basically you're all trying to rescue the brides, the, mm-hmm. the fiancés. Also, there's a dog that'll appear. It looks like looks kind of like a beagle, I gotta say. A fun fact, by the way, all of the characters in the Three Stooges games are two sprites, except for the dog and the waiter that appears. There are hammers that are lying around the rooms, and you can pick up a hammer. And if you have the hammer, you will automatically chop up any piece of furniture or other object that's in the way. And uh, there'll be some kind of item hidden behind an object, like a star, which I want to say, I don't quite know what the star does. I have to be honest with you there. Uh, it's not, it doesn't give you an extra life because you get an extra life based on your score, like 10,000 for your first extra life, uh, 20,000 for your second extra life, depending on how the settings are. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are money bags that are hidden around, but also you'll probably have to chop some things off to reveal a key. There is a bonus screen in which there are a bunch of singers on the screen, a bunch of guys singing random notes. And when they sing, they emit blue notes that go traveling on the screen. Kind of like uh, the second screen in Popeye when Olive sings and there are little like 16th notes flying around. You want to dodge these notes, though. Do not let the notes hit you. You are given a little tip on the screen. It tells you uh, for best results, basically hit the singers with pies and they'll shut up and you won't have the the notes to worry about. There's one screen in which you actually see Dr. I am a cad at the end of the screen with Dr. I am a cad. Not only do you have to exit the screen, but you also have to run after him and capture him. Once you collect all three of the keys, he's going to start running away. So you got to get out and find him. If he uh, exits the screen and he leaves before you capture him, you have to redo the screen. Okay. To rescue Corridora and Nora, you will see uh, each of them is in a separate room and uh, locked in a cage. And basically, when you collect the keys, you use the keys to unlock the cage and free them. And once you uh, free all three of them, the game starts over. And Hmm. There you go. Uh, Your methods of defense, of course, throwing pies at people, hitting them with a hammer, and slapping them. Classic Three Stooges style right there. Uh, Even the cop is not resistant to a slap. Uh, I got to say this, though. Throwing pies, it is really difficult. You got to be 100% dead on in order Mm -hmm. to successfully hit an enemy with a pie. It's pretty maddening, actually, I got to say. Uh, usually their best defense is with some kind of a, a weapon. Uh, I What's weird is the an- the animation is weird because when you use the slap button and uh, one of the stooges reaches out to slap, it's basically just an extension of the arm. There's no real slap happening, but I guess it's just some kind of graphical limitation of the machine. Mm-hmm. But that's the game right there. And one thing that I, I do want to mention, I think Jeff mentioned this when we talked to him in episode 60, he really wanted this game to be in black and white. And if I'm not mistaken, the folks at Milestar said, no, 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 no. And I got to say, as cool as that sounds, I don't think it would have worked in black and white. It would have been really, because mm. th- this is a hard game to keep track of. And I think yeah. having it only in shades of black and white would make it even harder. That's um, that's the game. Uh, Jimmy G, what do you have to say about Three Stooges? Well, Honestly, I totally forgot we were going to be talking about this one. <laughs> and uh, so I haven't actually played it in preparation, but uh, I have played it in the past. They do have it at Galloping Ghost. 
Mm-hmm. And um, probably not going to come as a surprise, but I'm not really a huge fan of this one either. Mm. Uh, but I do like it more than Splat. But it seems to me one of the... I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if this game could have used... You remember how Journey had like the digitized faces yeah. of the, the band members? I would have liked to have seen that in this game. It might just be me, but I think that the frame rate on it isn't what it could be. And it just seem, seems to be a little bit more too difficult than I think it should be. I like the concept. Yes. Uh, I like the idea. And again, this is another food fight type game or splat type game because splat came first. But I don't know. Maybe I need to try <laughs> it a little more. But I just find this game too, just too difficult for me. I, I totally I totally agree with that. Thing is, I really, really want to like the game because when you hear it described, what you have to do, it sounds very fascinating. It sounds interesting, but it's not really executed really well, I don't think. Right. And it is it is difficult AF. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, a- AF, by the way, means really, 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 really. So, and yeah, I cannot make it past the second room. Now, here's the thing. If you lose all your lives, you can continue, but only once. And uh, when I was mm-hmm. playing the game to prep for the episode, I was really wishing that it, as much as I don't like the concept of continues, because to me, it's basically a money grab. I was wishing that I could have continued because I would have liked to have played through the whole thing. I actually had to watch YouTube videos. Yeah, I probably could have enabled cheats, but, you know, in these post 9-11 times, who has time for that? In today's economy? Please. And I I found it really, really frustrating. Now, the thing is, I was kind of looking forward to playing the Three Stooges arcade game when I first knew of its existence. Actually, that's not really true because when I first knew of its existence, I hadn't yet played the other Three Stooges game, and that's the one made for home play, which is a completely different thing, different company, different plot. Like the Three Stooges game that was on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga, I love that game. It's basically a series of mini games, and your goal is to uh, save an orphanage from going bankrupt, basically. Mm -hmm. And if you do well enough and earn enough money, not only do you save the orphanage, but you also are awarded the hands in marriage of the orphanage owner's daughters. So again, with the marriage thing. Mm -hmm. But that's a... I, I would absolutely recommend playing that game it's a fun one it's a lot of people don't like it but i love it and also here's the thing about three stooges you think three stooges we're guys we know what we're looking for we play the three stooges we're looking we're looking for for silly slapstick comedy we're looking for goofy sound effects where and all i mean it's they're there but they seem kind of forced like you can easily forget that this is the three stooges that you're playing it could be any other game really i mean i I just don't think it does the three stooges as characters as a series of short films i don't think it does the three stooges name justice Mm -hmm. yeah i i I agree uh there's so much you could do with the three stooges uh as far as a license goes yeah and i think this one is on the right track but it's not not successful in what it does yeah, and I would have been I would have really liked to uh, see something on the screen and easily be able to identify it as being from a specific Three Stooges short, which is uh, something that I do love about the home game because you can say, "Oh, that's from this that's the scene when Curly is eating the clam chowder." 
or that's the scene from Punch Drunks when Larry is rushing to uh, to find music to play for Curly so he can win a boxing match. There wasn't anything like this in this arcade game that I could see, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to like this game more than I do, but uh, I guess if it's good enough for Dwayne, Raj, and Rerun, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> Jimmy G, why do, you, why do you keep bringing up what's happening? Well... Funny you should mention that. <laughs> because this oh, was actually prominently thing. featured in the TV show, What's Happening Now? Oh, yes. The That's sequel right. to the classic What's Happening. And, um, and coincidence of coincidences, Columbia Pictures was in charge of What's Happening Now? No. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that a coincidence that a Columbia Pictures production would include a video game that uses uh, characters that were once produced by Columbia Pictures? That is until the Three Stooges left Columbia Pictures, which is why they had to go to Moe's son-in-law for permission. Could be. You know, I know this game came out actually before the series. Yes. Before the What's Happening Now but it still would have been funny to see an Easter egg where the Doobie Brothers come out. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and I was just thinking, oh, my God, that could have been a great Easter egg where instead of the Stooges, you're playing the characters that you said you should network a machine with to play. Yes. Like Roger but, Rerun and Dwayne. Oh, man, that could have been a great uh, Easter egg I, I right there. I only know the but, name of two people from the Doobie Brothers. That's Michael McDonald and Tom Johnston. Ah. Uh, so... Uh, so, okay, so network, f- Tom Johnston so network Tom three left, other uh, games and have the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you man. know what? We need to get a we need to contact somebody to make a Doobie Brothers game. Oh man. Jeff Lee and uh Bryant Colin should uh, work together on a Doobie Brothers game. Well, the thing is you got two artists. Well then again, nowadays you oh, kind of need you need a whole and, team of um, art. And who was um who was the, the guy that was working with uh Brian, I can't remember his name. Well, Jeff Nauman? No, it was Jeff. Uh, was it Jeff Nauman with Jeff Lee? Jeff? No, Jeff Nauman was. No, Jeff Nauman was with Brian Cohen. It was. Um, yeah, Tom Tom Malinowski, Warren Davis, Sam Warren Russo. Davis. Yeah, those guys got to get together and make a Doobie <laughs> Brothers game. <laughs> oh, and it could involve a plot of a dumb teenager trying to bootleg their concert. No, that would be the bonus round. Oh, oh you know what? Do a graphics hack of Journey. And uh, oh, God. for the bonus round in Journey, <laughs> where you're trying to bounce the uh, the groupies off of the stage, so we'll change the graphic to make all of them holding like a an audio recorder. <laughs> oh, boy. How did we get... Oh, that's right, because of what's happening now. And yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw any hint of a Three Stooges game was watching what's happening now. And I, th- I was looking at that, and I was, I was thinking... Is that a Three Stooges video game? Because I had never, ever, ever, ever seen the Three Stooges arcade game until Galloping Ghost Arcade. Exactly. Yeah, I, um, in the same way, although I had heard of the game before then, I think I read an article about it in a magazine, but um, I had never seen one until Galloping Ghost got it. Yeah, and there's good reason for it. Only 300 cabinets were produced. Really? Yeah, That's and- you. Yeah, here's the thing, though. It was in testing for 12 weeks, which was uh, unusually long at the time Uh for a video game to be in testing. But various circumstances kept pushing the release back and back and back and back for, like, I think, I think, like, a year. Uh Uh-huh. And, of course, by the time it came out is when the North American video game crash was uh, kind of uh, happening. So Mm. uh, it, it, it tested. I mean, the thing is, it did well in some markets on the East Coast, but not enough to... 
keep things afloat. And of course, not terribly long after the game was out was when uh, Coca-Cola shut down Rat Slime, Mousestar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, one thing I did read in the Warren Davis book, so spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear this yet, skip ahead by about 30 seconds. Uh, Warren Davis writes about the moment at Milestar when, oh, what the heck is his name? Uh, Ron Waxman, who was in charge, walked in and said, everybody stop working. We're closed. Oh, wow. Oh, which means, oh, that means that Warren Davis was there when uh, Three Stooges was made. He just probably didn't work on it. That's what it was mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. I haven't read the book from start to finish yet. So anyway. <laughs> oh, well. So I'm going to have to pick that one up. I there's so many books I got to pick up. Uh, yeah, I still have the Howard Scott Warshaw book that I haven't read yet. By the way, it's a six-hour flight from Chicago to uh, Reykjavik, and uh, the, the airport is like 40 miles outside the city. Oh, wow. Sounds like Dulles. It's on the site of a uh, former Army air base. Huh. But uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking for books to uh, to read on the way out. Oh, there so you go. I might uh, I might pick one of those up. Mm-hmm. It's an overnight flight. We leave here at nine or at uh, six, so we get there at like nine. Hmm. Yes, six hour flight, but you know time zones and all that fun stuff. And you'll probably fall asleep before you finish. But yeah, that's true. That's and what she we said. We got an overnight flight on the way back as well. Uh huh. That way we have more time in in Iceland. I'm so. Can you tell that I'm looking forward to going to Iceland? If it's not obvious already, wow! But that's even more exciting than going to um, Dayton. Ah, the, Flur- the Flurzel Corps are returning. I don't know. I don't know. But Dayton sounds exciting. But man, you're really excited about Iceland. Uh huh. Why should I be excited about a- uh, Dayton? It just sounds like an exciting place. But anyway, oh. uh, speaking of uh, Dayton and stuff, uh, what would you rate the Three Stooges on our one to five continues scale, inclusive, of course? Before I go on to that, the first place I ever played this was in MAME. So. Oh, okay. First place I ever played it was actually at Galloping Ghost. So I have played it there too, but yeah. yeah. So I'm so, rating this game a two. Me too. As I, I agree. Thing is, so much could have been done with it, but it kind of missed the mark. It kind of missed the mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good idea. It just didn't happen, you know? I mean, sometimes good ideas just don't work. That's That's yeah. all there is to it. Sometimes and, a good uh, idea should stay an idea. By the way, just because we might not like a game doesn't mean we don't like the people behind it. Well, just, yeah, of course. Because yeah. uh, not everybody liked everything from Picasso. Well, yeah, yeah. And there are even Beatles songs that I can't stand, so. Uh, name one. Long, long, long. And I know I'm going to get trashed over that. A lot of people love I don't that, know that song. Um, Things We Said Today is a big yawn fest. Uh-huh. Mr. Moonlight, no. Okay, well, there you go. You got some. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of a King's X song I don't like. Oh, did they do a cover of Long, Long, Long or no. Things We Said Today? <laughs> the only cover I think they ever did was uh, Manic Depression by uh, Hendrix. Hmm. That, that they probably pretty... did a good job with that, though. That sounds oh, like they did the kind of thing they would have done with. They, they done, did a great you know? job with that. And they uh, added the uh, like concert sound effects uh, to make it sound like it was a live recording. I know there's some. I just can't think of them because their good output is way too good. Uh, see, Bob Seger isn't a good uh, reference point for me either because I pretty much hate everything <laughs> he's done. Bob Seger is all songs about him whining about how he's not young anymore. It gets old. He's a, it's, I call his form of music wine rock. Wine rock, huh? Yeah, because he whines. Yeah, I'm going to get hate mail for that one, I know. Oh, I hope so. Anyway, yeah, so we're both twos on this one. Yep. So... Yeah. Pardon the toozy. So we reveal the theme? 
Well, after I talk about some high scores here. Uh, oh, I thought you already did that. I'm no. not paying attention. No, because Matt Hall on Orcade.com submitted a score of 1,005,200 on October 11th, 2019. Mm-hmm. And for Twin Galaxies, Mark Haber submitted a score of 2,850,000 on November 6th, 1986. Man, the thing is, this is not a high scoring game. It's not a high-scoring game at all. Um, so these people must have been playing it for a long time. And uh, by the way, the scoring, if you hit a villain, uh, you get 200 points. If you break a window, you get 100 points. If you hit a cop, you get 500 points. Um, if you get any loot, such as a key or a star or a money bag, etc., 500 points. If you capture I am a cad, you get 500 points. So it's not a high-scoring game. There's you nothing here it that's just a, like... I'm just looking at a screenshot of the game here, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it occurs to me this looks exactly like a Sega Master System game. I Oh, I can kind of see that. It looks exactly like a Sega Master System game. Ah. And it kind of plays like it, too. Yeah, it, it looks like a home game. By the way, Twin Galaxies has a track for two-player. No scores on it, though. Really? Let's go to the ghost and hmm. uh, see if Pete Hahn will uh, show us the innards of the machine, and then we'll play around. Score five hundred like, points. Yep, there you go. <laughs> hey, a record is a record, but hey, that's what I have to say about that. And oh, again, we will include links to both of the uh, Gottlieb books in mm-hmm. the show notes at PieFactoryPodcast.com. Good. So yeah, yeah, wow. that's uh. So what's the theme? If I remember correctly, the theme that we came up with is games in which you throw pies and collect keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. it is. I just have in the notes, just games with pies, but oh well. But you also collect keys in both games. Ha ha ho! So shall we uh, thank some people? Oh, indeedly do. Actually, I want to, ra- uh, we're, let's take a little break so that I can, uh, randomize the list of people we should thank because, you know, I don't want to have it be the same thing every time. And while I am randomizing, here is a word from our current underwriter. Rock goodbye, your baby. Hi, I'm Harry Schmirler, your singing Ford dealer. The Thunderbird sale is on now. You can buy this new 84 Thunderbird for only $89.88. for a new Thunderbird, and now, due to a Ford factory special value package, you can get $2,000 worth of accessories free. Prices from $89.88, $2,000 worth of free factory accessories, only at Schmirler Ford, Route 83 and 2 in Elk Grove Village. Now, you see, Jimmy G., this is another reason that... uh I'm glad we decided not to go with this corporate sponsor, because we'd have to say goodbye to our underwriters, likely. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. But uh, I don't want to say goodbye to the following who have been so generous to us. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, helping us out, uh, helping us uh, with some podcasting expenses here. And I'm, of course, referring to Mark Super, Kevin Bean, Timmy Mack, Art Guglielmo, Air Shack, Keith Sheehan, Atari Bites, New Balance Stores, Phoenix, Christian Williams, Daniel Chavez, D. Alex, Richard Valdez, Underground Retrocade, the SNES Podcast, Lance Endries, Mike Hat and Jay, Richard Grounds, PJ Steele, Nate Lockhart, if that is his real name, 
Retro Game Club podcast. Thank you, guys. Rory Coleman and Kurt Musgrave. And if you wish to uh, be part of the Patreon uh, sponsorship, I well, for one thing, we we really need to do something for our Patreon folks. We're trying to put together some special episodes, uh, and I swear I'm going to get T-shirts for current and and past sponsors. Uh, oh man, but life, life. So anyway, Jimmy G, what are we going to be talking about for uh, the next episode? Well, I think we'll be talking about, uh, let me run this by you, uh, Mr. Driller. Mr. Driller. Huh? Is, that, is that okay? Uh, that works? I, I, suppose that, I suppose so, sure. Okay. And how about, oh, well, let's say Dig Dug 2. No. No? No sequels. Oh, darn it. Okay. Uh, how about um, uh, Zork? The actually, you know what? For Zork. actually, yeah, you know what? Let's let's go Dig Dug Two after all. Let's go Dig Dug Two. Okay, so those are the games that we're going to be talking about next time on Pie Factory Podcast. Well, once again, from the Pie Factory Tower in rural Illinois, this is Jimmy G. And from Pie Factory Headquarters North, this is Sean. And support your local arcade. Darmstadtium. Bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory Podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Now, another episode of Burp Along with Sean. Uh, excuse me. Oh, my God. I just saw Ooh, a very... We haven't, had a, we haven't had a Burp Along with Sean in a while. No, no. Just saw a very disturbing picture of Ferg. Uh. Isn't that redundant? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we love you, Ferg. Usually, now yes, re- we do. Yeah. Now release my family. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway...